0: I just remember the weeks after that being inundated with news stations, radio stations, the sister station to the station that he DJ'd for, continuously talking about it, hearing about it all the time on the news, in the newspaper, on the radio, welcome back to the unique conversations with chris podcast this is episode two and for those that may not watch episode one i would encourage you to go back to that one and watch that one so that this story makes sense but where i left off with episode one we were in the midst of my sister being in one of those life-threatening seizures and so the last thing that i said is that i was pleading with god that he spared the life of my my only other sister that i had at the time right after i made that plea um the medics came picked up my sister took her to the hospital and i'm happy to report that she's still here uh over the course of her life she ended up having a couple more seizures however she ended up growing out of them and so she no longer has the seizures i assume that the seizures were a result of her falling out of the window when she was younger and that's what caused the head trauma that resulted in the seizures but like i said i'm happy to report that she no longer has those and so that she's pretty typical healthy for a woman now and so over the course of my life i wanted to the first episode i kind of went through the the timeline of a couple of traumatic experiences that I experienced as a child. And so I will pick up and just give you a couple more experiences that I've had that will allow you to see my why behind my journey in in life. So this is a point where I want to pick up and briefly speak on my biological father and mine. Hey, are you interested in keeping the conversation going? Do you have any questions for me? If so, starting on May 13th, on Saturday at 10, I will have a live session where you can ask all the questions that you have for me as well as keep the conversation going. If you're here on YouTube, check the description box. And if you're listening in, check the show notes and it'll have the link to join the live. Look forward to talking to you soon. My biological father was about the age of six or seven. And so, over the course of the next few years, I would visit him at his mom's house so that my grandmother's house and so I would spend time with them and so I also at some point at this time found out that I actually have another brother and a sister who are both younger so I'm the oldest of all of my siblings and so occasionally I would have visitation when they would be there too so sometimes we'd all be there together sometimes we weren't I got to know him pretty much um through the visitation however due to his job or whatever the case may be i don't have memories of us of me being able to go and hang out at my dad's house like i said most of the visitation was with his mother and he would come to visit me there and at the time his job was that of a radio DJ and required him to I guess be at different events and promo and I don't know the reason behind it because like I said I'm looking at this from the lens of what I experienced as a child so from what I know about him is that he was a very he and I have a lot of personality similarities and that's something that we've discussed here you know in the present as far as him being more of a you know, introverted, quiet person like myself. Um, And we have very much some of the same facial characteristics and features. But like I said, we didn't have one of those super close relationships other than, you know, him coming to visit me when I was with his mom. I went through my teen years having this, you know, perspective of I had my Dad, the person that I knew to be my dad. Then I had my biological dad, and had this other family, and then I have my other siblings. And so, I made sense of the dynamic of my family. Now, one thing I will say is, some of those, some of the people watching this, especially if you know me personally, may not know the dynamics and the twists and turns of my story because it's not something that I would go out and tell people right away because it was confusing for me and. I didn't want to confuse them with my unique family situation. So I would say about 17, my senior year in high school, I was headed to practice and at the time I was in band, color guard. I worked full time pretty much and I was in a bunch of extracurricular activities and so I know that I was in the midst of trying to rush to assemble to get my items together and I remember feeling like there was something going on because my mom and my uncle were behaving very odd they were seeming like they were tiptoeing and walking on eggshells around me so I noticed that as I was getting ready to leave, my uncle said something to my mom and they're like, yeah, let's just tell her or something to that fact. And so they sat me down and I don't remember if they gave me a newspaper article or if they showed me the news. It was, I just remember the news being in the background and the newspaper article and on the headline, Big is Bold. And if I can find them, I'll probably post them here. For those that are watching on YouTube, you can see it. So over the headlines, it was saying, you know, the popular radio DJ is saying, accused of being a serial R-word. And I took the news. I kind of smirked it off and just continued to go about my day. Uh, That's one of the things I learned that I do, how I've dealt with things is I kind of shrugged it off, stuffed it, um, tried to disassociate from it, I guess. In my mind, I'm like, how much more crazy can my life be at this point? It's kind of like comical at this point to me. And uh, I remember just picking up my things and going to either, I think I don't know if I was going to work or to practice and just did not bring it up anymore. I just remember the weeks after that being inundated with news stations, radio stations, the sister station to the station that he DJed for, continuously talking about it, hearing about it all the time on the news, in the newspaper, on the radio, continuous. And it would be some conversations about how they could not believe or they could be conversations kind of making joke and making light of, of it. It was just hard. And I don't remember having conversations with any adult about it. I don't remember really having a lot of conversations about it, period. And I just remember feeling very shame. I've been feeling a lot of shame. How am I related to someone that is being accused of something so brutal? And I wouldn't say I remember going to visit him as a teenager shortly after the Arrest, and then the sentencing, and then the trial. My late grandmother, his mother, would take me and my younger brother to go visit him. He was sentenced to, I believe, three life sentences for his crimes, or that he's accused of. Uh, the thing that bothers me the most is that I'm having to live in this dual space on one hand um, I know him to be who he was to who he is to me and the personality and the character that I've seen of him and then I am reading these stories about the things he stands accused of and then I'm hearing comments and conversations from people that knew him better than I did of saying how they just don't understand how this, it doesn't make any sense as to how he has been accused of what he's been accused of because it just doesn't make sense to his personality, his, his character, so on. So I'm, I'm living in this place of where I am trying to make sense of it. But it's it's hard, and as you can see, I still have, you know, it's been, oh, wow, 20 plus years, about 25 years since it's happened. And I still, you know, it still doesn't make, I still just have a hard time wrapping my brain around how this could be my life. So I would say about three years after the arrest, and I remember having the urge to want to get more about the story. And I remember I pulled up an article online, and it was written by the Dallas Observer. And it was like a, you know, multiple page spread in which they, Profiled him and they profiled the uh, main accuser that came out. And I read her story and got a pit in my stomach because, you know, as she's describing this horrific crime, my, the empathy is like, geez, how could she have experienced this? But then at the same time, I remember this is my biological father. And then it gets to his part. And I'm reading his story and I find out for the first time, because nobody's told me this, that he was, in fact, adopted as a baby. So that's another shocking thing that I didn't know, which I don't know if I would ever been told, you know, given, you know, if the things that transpired wouldn't have transpired. So I can't necessarily say they withheld it from me. but. I found out that he was adopted and other things about him, which, you know, sent me on another trail of, you know, I would love to know more about the biological family just to see who they are, where they're from, their background, their history. So over the next decade or so, I would intermittently write to him talk to him on the phone occasionally. It wasn't up until I had children at 30 that I had the desire to have a continuous, for the most part, um, communication with him, especially in the height of, of COVID. That's when the phone calls started. I would go through gaps of time where I just did not have conversation with him or did not respond to his letters. Um, And it's not that I just did not want to. It's just the place in my life. I just did not know how to make sense of it. And so for years, I carried the shame and embarrassment of not wanting to share this with people that know me personally because how do you explain that to to them he is maintaining his innocence of everything and is actively looking for resources in which to continue to fight his case i won't go into specifics of his defense and and more details about the cases i share this story because I know that somewhere there were other children of offenders that are whether they're in prison for the same reason as he is or other crimes that have feel the same feelings that I have felt. I wanted to share this part of my story because I feel like if I did not, I would be inauthentic and would not be standing in my truth. I feel like the shame that I brought onto myself because of the weight of the truth that I chose to hide would allow me to not be as vulnerable and share as much as I could share about my life. And I felt like I would be like a hypocrite if I were to invite people to come in and share the most raw and intimate details of their lives if I am... Choosing to exclude this huge part that has, you know, shaped my life so many ways that I would be doing a disservice to myself and to to the purpose of me creating this podcast and this platform. So, and I also feel like somewhere somebody is going to resonate with my part of this story and the feelings that I feel regarding you know the the truth and reality of you know my life so I think I'm going to end this episode here and I hope that you've enjoyed the first couple segments this far as always I'm open to questions and I look forward to having my next conversation with you here soon